0: easier to 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 understand um how David may be feeling in those situations um so we could we could read it and we could say well david must be uh, must be conceited to be saying that or he's ignorant of his sin but i don't think we um i don't think that sits sits well with us because it doesn't really make sense in light of what we know of david so um uh, there is um, some suggestions of what the context would be, although we don't know for sure. Um, but I wanted to read a, a short passage from 2 Samuel, um, and this is, this is one idea of um, what the context for this psalm might be. Um, but I think, I think even if, if this isn't the context, it still serves as a good picture of, of how David may have um, been feeling when he wrote, wrote this psalm. and Maybe a, a similar situation. Um, but this is 2 Samuel chapter 4, and that is on page 308 in my Bible, 2, Cham- 2 Samuel chapter 4. Um, and this is after the death of Saul. Uh, Saul's son, Ishbosheth was uh, raised up as king in the northern kingdom and was a rival king to David. And um, I'm going to start reading from verse 4, sorry, verse 5. Now, Rechab and Banner, the sons of Rimon, the Berethite, set out for the house of Ishbosheth, and they arrived there in the heat of the day while he was taking his noonday rest. They went into the inner part of the house as if to get some wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and his brother, Banner, slipped away. They had gone into the house while he was lying on the bed in his bedroom. After they stabbed and killed him, they cut off his head taking it with them, they travelled all night by the way of Arabah. They brought the head of Ish- Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, your enemy, who tried to take your life. This day the Lord has avenged my lord, the king, against Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab and his brother Benar, the sons of Rimon, the Berithite. As surely as the Lord lives who has delivered me out of all trouble, when a man told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death in Ziklag. That was the reward I gave him for the news. How much more when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own home and on his own bed, should I not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? So here, um, the the son of Saul, Ishbosheth, David's rival in the in the northern kingdom, has been killed, um, and his head has been brought to David, almost as a prize. And um, in, in that situation, David is very clear that he wants no association with these men. He he's condemning them, um, and uh, he doesn't want anybody to think that that he is is part of their their sinful activities. Um, he was. Uh, very clear that he wouldn't uh, lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Um, he said that he had opportunity to to kill Saul and try and seize the throne, but he he didn't. Um, he didn't take that opportunity. He he waited for the Lord's timing, um, for for God to to raise him up um, when it was the right time. And so um, this that may be the context for this psalm. Um, I think certainly that that's. Uh, the The kind of thing that, that we can have in mind that um, david is is accused of something and wants to be uh, vindicated to, uh, wants the Lord to vindicate him, wants the Lord to judge him and, and look at his life and see that he 's innocent so I think as we as we look at this um, we shouldn 't see it in uh, an absolute sense that David is saying that I am always like this, I always have been, and I want God to judge me. Um, as, as an innocent man, but more that uh, in this in this situation in this context, David is saying, um, "God, look at my life, uh, look at the the way I behave and the things I do, and, and judge me in this situation." but um, we can we can read this and we can say that this does apply uh, fully and absolutely to to the Lord Jesus, and um, I think we also as we, as we look at this, I want to look at how this applies through Christ. Um, and I think in in the light of what we know in the New Testament, we can can say that this is uh, a prophetic psalm looking forward uh, to its its fulfillment in Christ. So there's three three themes in this psalm I want to look at. I want to look at at God as a a judge. Um, From the first verse when he says, Vindicate me, O Lord. Um, David is asking God to, to be a judge for him and to judge his life. Uh, I want to look at um, holy living and the way that David describes himself um, in his innocence, in his integrity, and I want to look at um, David's response of of worship to the Lord. So first of all, uh, God as a judge... So he says here, vindicate me, O Lord. Um, we can uh, we can learn from this that uh, whatever the situation that we're facing, whatever accusations come against us, um, God's opinion far outweighs that of, of the people around us. It's if God clears us, if God declares us innocent, then then we are innocent, and uh, what people around us say um, doesn't matter. And I'm, there is there's obviously a place for. Um, Giving, giving reasons and evidence for our innocence in, in different situations. But um, most importantly, uh, what, does God, what does God think and what does God have to say about our, our actions and our behaviours? God is a judge and his approval is, is worth everything. And here he says, um, test me, O Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. So David is asking God to, to look inside him, to look in his heart, to look in his mind, um, so it's not just look at all the things I've done, look at the way I behave. He's asking to look at his, his heart, his thoughts, his desires, and uh, the things which we can hide from other people, we, we can't hide from God. Um, and this could be uh, a frightening and an encouraging thought. Um, it could be frightening for us because nothing is hidden from God. There is nothing that we can, we can hide all the the deepest, darkest desires that we have, uh, the things that we would never speak of, God can see all of that, uh, and it's it's frightening because we know that, that God judges all sin, uh, that God is a just God, and I just wanted to turn to, to Exodus 34, um, this is on page 92, page 93, uh, I wanted to read a, a short passage there, Exodus 34 verses 4 to 8. So Moses chiselled out two stone tablets, like the first ones that went up Mount Sinai earlier that morning. In the morning, as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stones, two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, stood there with him, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Um, so we see that God is, is loving, God is gracious, God is forgiving. Uh, this, is, this is David's God, but he is, uh, he is a just God and, and all sin all sin must be paid for, um, and that can be can be frightening that, that we have this this God as a judge, but the the comfort in that is that uh, Christ came and he lived that perfect life that we couldn 't live, and because God can see everything he can see inside, he can see in our hearts and our minds, then he knows that that Christ was the perfect, the pure sacrifice um, the sacrifice we needed for uh, our sin and to know that um, he is faithful and just to forgive us, as it says in one John, um, if, the fact, if the sacrifice is perfect, then then we know our, our forgiveness is is ultimate, and it 's not based on our obedience, uh, it 's not based on our works or uh, any uh, money we give to the church or the prayers we paid, or the uh, repentance uh, that we come to God with. none of that um, has any uh, impact on the work of the atonement um, that work is complete it is it's perfect and it's all on Jesus and if our faith is in Jesus um, then then our sin our sin is paid for um, the sin of, of our past and the sin of our future he's a perfect judge who doesn't get resentful or cynical uh, he doesn't get tired and impatient of us in our failures if we are trusting in him and put our faith in him then then God, he's our judge and he's forgiven us and accounted Christ's righteousness to our account. Um, so he, he's a good judge. He's a judge who makes um, a way for sinners to, to be able to um, have a restored relationship with God. And uh, there's a hymn that says, wonderful grace that gives what I don't deserve, pays me what Christ has earned and lets me go free. Wonderful grace that gives me the time to change, washes away the stains that once covered me. Uh, so this is, is amazing, uh, just and and loving and gracious God. And the second thing I wanted to look at was living a holy life. And David's description of, of his life in this situation, um, in the context of this, uh, he says... Test me and try me, examine my heart and mind. He says, your love is ever before me. I walk continually in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I bore the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. So David is is uh, living um, a life of faith. He's trying to walk with, with the Lord, um, keeping himself away from associating with with. Uh, evil people and um, people who uh, are going to be a bad bad influence, maybe on his on his life. Um, so the thing that David has his eyes fixed on is is the steadfast love of the Lord. Verse three says, "For your love is ever before me." Um, the love of God, uh, the faithful uh, covenant love of God, is always before him, and uh, this is a a big part of his his motivation. Everything. Everything we do has a motivation behind it, something that motivates us to do it. Um, we don't just do things. We, sometimes we do things because we are too lazy to um, do anything else. Um, but that's still a motivation. And There's times when we will uh, not read our Bible and pray very much because we're not uh, motivated to do it, basically because we don't believe that God will speak to us through his word and we don't believe he will answer our prayers, so uh, we don't do it. Um, and there are other times when, when we do, we do read and we do pray and we have a, a close walk because uh, we know that there is, there is benefit, there is fruit and there is uh, a real living God answering us. So it's his motivation to, to drive us this faith. Um, but David's motivation here is the, the steadfast love of the Lord says, for your love is ever before me. That is that is why he is saying to God, test me. Test me because your love is, is ever before me. Um, so if we don't have a clear focus on, on God, on God's love in our life, then we're, we're going to struggle to move forward in our faith. Um, we need to have that clear uh, clear picture of God's love for us as a, as a starting point. And... David says here that he he lives a life separate from evil men. Um, there should be a, cl- a clear difference between our life and the lives of people in the world. Um, we should be, be living in a way where we can be salt and we can be light to the people around us. And again, we see Jesus as the best example of this. He was completely perfect, completely pure, um, no sin at all in him. And yet he was accused of getting too involved with with the sinners in In Jerusalem, and spending time with tax collectors, and um, yeah, I think it's important to to follow that that example that we can um, could really spend time and and be close with with the people around us in our workplace or at uh, university or, or wherever we are. There are always people around us who who don't know Christ, and we don't need to avoid those people. We need to um, get involved and live live different lives around them. Um, Sometimes there are people in our lives who do lead us astray um, because of our own sin and weaknesses and uh, it takes wisdom to know when when we do need to draw away from people. Um, But the the pattern uh, generally is that we we follow Jesus and we we act as, um, as a witness. But we don't... Uh, fall into temptation by God's grace we as David says we do not sit with deceitful men so we don't uh, join in with their their deceitful activities Um, we don't um, consort with hypocrites we don't uh, get involved in their their hypocrisy Um, so we need to spend time in the word and prayer Uh, we need to be working to have this this steadfast love before us and we need to be Um, motivated by that um, and we should have an expectation that that God will uh, will work in our lives um, and have have faith and and we need to live that life uh, in front of other people the people that we know the people around us thirdly I wanted to look at uh, worship so in this chapter David has uh, summed up his life quite briefly he says, God, search me, look at me inside and out, look at my deeds, look at the people I spend my time with, look at the things I do. And then he says, look how I worship you. He says, I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise, telling of your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. And I think worship isn't... Isn't a means to an end, um, like some of the other things that he mentions um, about uh, the way he uh, lives a life uh, away from uh, evil men. Um, the purpose of that is to to keep himself pure. Uh, things like uh, reading the Bible, we do that so we can understand God. Um, but worship is not a means to to something else. It it's an end in, in itself. We worship because God deserves worship, and that is, that is enough. That is the end result of it. And worship isn't for anything except to give glory, which is due to God, um, and to satisfy our hearts. This is what we've been created for. We've been created to worship God. And uh, it's important that we are satisfied by God through worship. And God deserves to be worshipped. He is worthy of it. And works without worship um, is like a, a musical instrument that's never played. Uh, the instrument may—you may know that the instrument sounds good, and it may be made of uh, quality materials and well made, but unless it's unless it's played, all it is is, is wood and metal and strings, um, and it's never fully fully realised as to what it should be. Um, and. I heard a, a quote from, from John Piper recently, he says, Satan is happy to see our outward actions improve as long as our hearts remain satisfied in anything but God. And that's a very challenging thing, you know. Anything outward that we do, um, doesn't matter how good, we are, good it is, unless we are satisfied in God, unless our hearts are worshipping God, it's just uh, just an activity, and Works without worship is um, is, is empty. Um, if you take the the worship out of this psalm, if we looked at this psalm and we took out the uh, the verses in verse three, and then verses six to eight about uh, David wanting to worship God, then what we have is something which is a lot more like Luke eighteen eleven, where it says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers. Evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, and that is um, that is the man that that is condemned, while the tax collector is is commended for his prayer. So, in all um, all the things that David was doing, um, it had to be framed framed in in a life of worship. Um, David didn't include worship as part of his plea then I think his argument would have fallen apart quite quickly. Um, His heart had to be in submission to God. And I think what this looks like through the life of Jesus um, is we see that here David is saying that he proclaims aloud your praise, telling of all your wonderful deeds, and we turn back to Psalm 22, just across the page. Psalm 22, verse 22, says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation, I will praise you. Now, this verse is quoted in Hebrews 2 and is accounted to Jesus. Um, and so, you know, that this, um, this is Jesus, prophetically, this is Jesus saying, um, I will declare. Your name to my brothers, which is is you and me. In the congregation, I will praise you. So it's amazing that Jesus, who is God, who is equal with God, is singing praises to God um, among us. That is um, that is something a reality which we are going to experience in heaven, um, and we need to step back and be amazed by this. <coughs> that Jesus is going to lead the singing in the great assembly in heaven and um, we have to put our trust in Jesus sorry so we, we who have put our trust in Jesus now are children of God and we're no less responsible to worship God now than we are when, when we're in heaven so I think right now um, I think rather than challenging ourselves on whether we are worshipping God in the right way I think we um, we should spend our time uh, to turn our eyes away from ourselves and to look to the steadfast love of God. And if we're trusting in Christ for our, our salvation, then, then we can say, as it says in verse 12, my feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise the Lord. Um, and that will be true if, if we put our trust in, in Jesus, then we will praise the Lord with Jesus in the great assembly. Um, So I think now would be a good time if I pass back to Ben and we'll close by singing our final hymns.